Good evening and welcome to episode 7 of Chalk Talk here on Microbrew Radio. Apologies for the delay there, we had some uh, technical difficulties that definitely weren't my fault. <laughs> um, here live in the studio today, we are blessed to have David McNamara. Hello, <laughs> you alright? How you doing? You okay? Yeah, boss mate, boss. Apart from a two and a half hour journey here because the M6, but all good. Ah, that's good. At least you made it and you yeah. got here on time still. Um, got here quicker than Reggie did, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good start. <laughs> Chris, who came with fuming, we didn't get food though, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I can see you wrong for that. Sorry, Chris. So you can have a Mackey's after, mate. <laughs> okay, um, so other than the journey, excited? Yeah, mate. Here? Yeah, love it. Yeah, love it's good. It. Um, you know, the moment we spoke about getting you on the show, and I knew it was something we had to come through with, and it's, it's good to have you here. It's buzzing. And. Um, Hopefully everyone at home enjoys the show. If you do have any questions for David, please do it through microbrewradio.com. Submit your questions through there or drop me a message directly on Facebook or over text if you've got my number. We'll get your questions read out as soon as they come through. Okay, so England International, yep. Ultimate Pool Pro. Mm-hmm. How does that feel to be, to be called them things? It feels great when you're still a fan of the game and you've grown up looking at all the players that you're playing against. And I remember being in the England team from I was about 16, looking up to people like your John Chambers, your Ian Alley, all these players. And now you're sort of playing with them and against them. And you know, especially on the pro tour, it's it's it, it's a bit surreal sometimes. But you got to remember, you got a job to do, and you're playing against them. Yeah, that's that's fair play. And you also need to remember why you know why you're there yourself. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You've put in the hours, you know, and. It's 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 just one of them. You've just got to, when you play them as much now, you, you sort of don't see them as you seen them ten years ago. You just seeing them as, you know, the next person in in line stopping you to get there. So, you know, even though the friends and you've looked up to them your whole life, you've still got to still got to battle away and, and beat them at the end of the day. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, in terms of Paul, how did you you know how did you start in? Um, I used to just I played a lot of football growing up um, we used to after the football matches we used to go watch from my dad he ended up taking me to the pub and to shut me up he used to give me 50p for the pool table and said you've got you've got 50p and if you get beat you're up that's it so I ended up having to graft away for hours in the pub making sure I didn't lose and basically yeah just, just ended up coming from the football side of it really from the social clubs it's it's actually crazy how many people have, have come on the show and nigh on all of them mm. football has been the starting journey yeah yeah um, and you know pub football yeah, pool it. darts you know you, you pick one of them pool or darts and i pick pool yeah, but pool's the one yeah yeah um if you do play darts i'm not sorry i'm surprised my dad didn't make me play darts they were free so <laughs> <laughs> that's fair um did you kind of see yourself obviously you know playing that early whether it was in the pub or not you obviously then you go on to play for england at the age of 16 did you see yourself in your kind of early teens getting to that level was it was it did you kind of stay interested throughout mm. them early teens? I did, I loved it, but I was still playing a good standard of football and goals, so I, d- I didn't know what to do. I was missing football for pool events, and I was missing pool events for football, and then I ended up getting into cricket as well, like the first team stretch. So I was playing all them three at a decent standard at the time I was 16, 17, and I think the laziest sports pool. <laughs> so <laughs> when I broke I broke a few bones, broke my arm, broke broke uh, my shoulder and stuff like that. And I think, you know, just growing up, I ended up just sticking with pool. And I'm glad I did because in the hindsight, I probably love that the most. Um, but at the time, it was sort of a, which one do you do? Which one do you give up? And yeah, the sort of pool and the cricket side of it went, uh, sorry, the football and the cricket side of it went for the pool when I was getting invited to go to like Malta and, you know, going away for Bridling to play for England. And I had a friend called Pete McLaughlin who got me into the game and he was taking me to all these events around the country and, you know, introduced me to Mick Hill because my friend Pete used to run the competitions. So then he'd introduced me to all the top pros and I just I just fell in love with the game properly when I was about 18 when, you know, I stopped playing a lot of football, stopped playing a lot of cricket um, and, yeah, I got stuck in. I loved the travelling side of it as well and meeting people and, yeah, I think I think that was the one. Yeah, it's good. It, Paul does kind of become like a, a big family when you start yeah. meeting people, and you, you meet people people not just from all over England, but when you go to places like Malta, it then becomes yeah, all over was, the world yeah, as well. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, Malta, even places like going over to Ireland, and I remember my first trip was Ireland, Killarney, um, when I was about seventeen, eighteen. And I remember just being away for the first time, like proper away, you got the plane, you pay for your queue, you get your little sticker on your queue case saying that it's coming. You know, that stayed in my case for about 10 years until I got a new one. So it was sort of their memories. And I remember just being away with your mates and going out for food. I know it's the little stuff, but, you know, that probably stuck with me and that's why I probably still play today. Yeah, that's good. It's, they are the little things that make it 
what it is. And in terms of your football and, and your cricket, you can only really play them at a certain standard for mm. so long. Yeah. Ball is something that you can continue to keep playing. Um, and you'll know yourself, you'll play for as long as you possibly can. Yeah, definitely. It was like with the pool side of it, I was getting bows in the county team, then I got in the A team, and then obviously playing for England. And I was just, I was playing football at okay standard. I was playing for like Runcorn and, you know, playing in like, you know, big finals and stuff like that, or big finals for like towns and, you know, trying to get up and up and up. But, you know, as you grow older, you put a bit of weight on and stuff like that. You end up, you know, I don't, I don't drink much. It was never the drink. It was always like the food side of it. So I loved, I loved my food growing up and, you know, trying to, trying to, play football that's why I went in goal in the end <laughs> but you know and just yeah you just pool you could just turn up and have a couple of hours on a Tuesday night with your friends and you know and then just go home and the football side of it it was yeah it was always pool for me yeah that's brilliant we we have had our first question in from uh, Barry Finnan oh yeah Barry and, yeah uh, is it, do you want to give him a little shout out? Yeah, I love Baz. He runs county. <laughs> we always argue about the Everton, Liverpool and Everton, but, you know, he's probably called me a wool in this question. He's actually that? just, he's, he's only put two words, but I'm going to long it out for Oh, him. okay, go on. <laughs> um, he's asked what your biggest achievement is. <sighs> biggest achievement, um, it was... It was it was up there. I've got, I've got a couple. I've got probably like three in my head. I've got winning the county finals with Cheshire when I was 22. I was captain. And we had a lot of dropouts before we went, and we we nearly didn't go. And we had a lot of the B team come up to the A team, and we ended up winning it. Um, you probably won't know any names in that team. It was probably me and Gareth Hibbert that you'd, you'd recognise, but then there was a lot of great players in that team who were good one-frame pool players. Yeah. Um, you know, you got Russ Fisher, G- Gaz Owen, um, Nick Powell, Jason King, Anton Evans, lads that you won't hear, but, you know, 60 70% over national finals, they... They did a lot, and I think it was the fact that you're winning with a bunch of friends who you're so close with. When I think John Barton, one of the lads in the team, we were fifty to one or forty to one, and he had a bet on us to win it. And Brilliant. so when we were that, we were we were the bottom. We were like the Leicester when they won the Premier League at the time, and we beat beat Warwickshire in the final, like John McAllister and all them. And it, yeah, it was like it's like a fairy tale tour. A fairy tale story, is that how you say? Yeah, there you go. It's like that of the pool world, Mm -hmm. like what Leicester done. So that was up there. And the other two were like sort of a single achievements. One was winning the world title in 2016 in Killarney. That was going to be my last ever event. I was going to give up and end up being a scaffolder. And then I won it and then I stuck at it. And now I am today. And then the other one was when I won an IPA tour where I actually dropped off the tour. I I didn't have any money. I was struggling mentally. So I just dropped off. And then I randomly just went back on one after about... 18 months of not playing on the tour and I was a lot heavier than I was, I was about 24 stone shaved my head and then I thought oh, I'll just, I think my mum and my dad actually big shout out to them they they paid for me for Christmas to go on to one of the events so it's Bradford it was and I went I went on to it and ended up winning the event um, beating Alex with Donahue in the final so I think that was the one considering that I wasn't playing any sort of competitive pool I just thought I'd give it a go didn't even have my own shirt in the final he said because you're playing on BBC You've got to wear an IPA shirt, and I had to I had to wear someone else's shirt with someone else's name on because I didn't have my own shirt. So I went on and won it. Yeah, I went on and won it. Yeah, on the BBC. So that that was a big moment for me. So them three, and you know, I've got a lot of other things like like winning local singles when I was young and stuff like that. All stuff that always always you'll uh, always remember them. Always, especially when my mum and dad were there for one of them in Warrington. Warrington Pool League is probably the best pool league I've ever played in, and they have like over 130 players in the singles. And it goes on over four or five months. So to win them when you're growing up, especially in front of your family. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But then it's always the team pool for me. Team pool is always the big one. Like I, I help. Well, I've run the EPA side of the county things in Merseyside, help run the black ball. And I was saying to Chris on the way up here that it just it just feels so much better winning. You know, you've got friends from that you don't see all the time. You only see like probably once or twice a month. And when you get together and play against other county teams, um, it just feels better winning as a team. Singles events are great to win, but you don't get that buzz as you do with everyone else. So I'd probably say out of all of them, oh, I'm, I'm just we just won the England uh, Home Nations recently. I've can't forgot that. that one. I can't believe. <laughs> yeah, that that was phenomenal with Dean and Kyle and all the lads. But I'd probably say my greatest achievement was probably the Cheshire winning the nationals because we barely qualified. We went with nine players, four of them who weren't meant to be going, and then ended up winning it. So. Team sport for me, I'd probably go with that one, yeah. yeah that's brilliant. For them, I think you thoroughly deserve the, <laughs> the round of applause there. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> brilliant. So, obviously you started, we've already touched upon, with England at an early mm-hmm. age of 16. Um, how did, you know, how did that come about, that you you getting, making that step into England? 
Well, I, did, I think I got called up last minute. Um, I remember my first ever England event. I was 16. I was still in school. I was playing for the England under-21s because they were short. My mate Pete McLaughlin was a bit older than me, and he was in the team. And he phoned me like four or five days saying, do you fancy placing England spot? People have dropped out. So I got in touch, got in touch with school. And funny enough, I was in the Chess Cup final in football the first day of the event. Right, okay. So... We ended up playing against Helsby High School in the Chess Cup final. It was a big thing. There was a lot of people there, cameras. And we ended up winning it. And I remember we, we won 1-0 and I played in goal. We got battered all game. And I got man of the match. Um, and then straight away we couldn't stay for the presentation because my dad had to drive me to Bridlington, which was three hours away, to get me there for the for the second game. I think I missed the first game. Um, to get the second game on like a Tuesday night. Um, so that was like sort of the first one. I turned up and I was absolutely rubbish at first round. I think I finished on about 15%, 20%, proper out of my depth, 16, playing under 21 pool. And that nearly put me off. But, you know, just, you just I sort of kept going. My mate Pete was always great with me. And, you know, I've got a lot of other people, Wayne Kenny and that, and, you know, Keith Bolton, all the lads in Runcorn and, just told me to keep going and kept going and I think I won my local singles in Runcorn when I was like 16 and they still played old EPA first of twos then All right, okay. yeah and I remember winning it and my mate Fitzy come to watch and my dad was there and there was only about four or five people in it was like the first major thing I won after getting absolutely pumped in <laughs> the the in the international stage so I just kept going and then like I said I just ended up loving it absolutely loving it and just kept playing and playing and playing and used to admire everyone for lifts to pool halls because I was 16, 17 and, and in the end my dad just gave in and kept taking me everywhere straight from work so if it wasn't for my dad, mum and dad and a few friends I definitely wouldn't have been playing. Yeah, fair play to you, fair play to your parents for you know that support. I mean it was something I was going to ask later in the show but we're on it now mm-hmm. so you know that support's kind of um, it's really important. Yeah, 100%. As, as yeah. you'll know. Um were they? Were your mum and dad kind of the main stem of your support throughout the years? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Dad, mum and dad. I'm a sister. All my biggest fans. So they were. If I wanted to do something and it wasn't financially doable, they'd, they'd make sure they make sure I did it. And if it was like giving a birthday presents, Christmas presents, you know, one year, the first year of the Ultimate Pool Tour, I didn't have any sponsors, and my dad actually paid for me as a sponsor that, that year. It was like the fifteen hundred pound entry fee. He ended up paying for me to go on the tour and. You know, maybe if you didn't pay that and I didn't go on it, I wouldn't be an ultimate pool professional now. And, you know, so it's stuff like that. And definitely without them, I wouldn't, wouldn't be anywhere near. I probably wouldn't be playing because, they, you know, they funded me when I was 16, 17 to go to Bridlington. I think they helped me to go Malta because I was in college, you know, not, not earning money. I was an apprentice. And, you know, so without them, I, I definitely wouldn't be where I am. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, so in terms of other kind of support, though, obviously... They've they've helped behind the scenes and financially and everything. Mm-hmm. You've you've mentioned how important team pool is to you. Yeah. Um, just how kind of important is team support, especially when you when you're winning team events. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this, I think I think that's the biggest part of it. I, me- I remember like that. Two th- I think it was 2017. We won the national finals because we won on the Sunday night and on the Monday I flew straight to China and I was only home for something like 45 minutes. Um, but on the Sunday, all the B team, all the seniors, they stayed to help. And Warwickshire, it was like, there was like 50 of us, 60 of us on a Sunday night in Celsi. There was hardly anyone there. They had they were probably like 15 people, mm-hmm. Eleven of them, nine of them were playing. And it felt like we had an army. We probably didn't, looking back at it, but just felt like that because we were so loud. And Barry Finnan was actually commentating on that final, um, which, is, which is crazy. But team pool, and same in England. I remember when we played Scotland in that final recently in Bridlington and... We had a lot of people up at the top, up top tiers and, you know, and I remember I was playing, like, Scott, I remember I beat Dunster and one of the deciders early on in the comp and it was, like, the support you were getting all the way around. It's like, you know, you're, you're not just playing for yourself here. It's a different type of pressure. And I was saying to Chris on the way up here, team pool, individual pool is so different. I think, you know, you might have the best player in the world, but is he the best team player? No, I don't think, I don't think so because, you know, you haven't got that fire, you haven't got that, you know, being loud. It's all about, you know, the supportive side of it. And I think in pool, the top pool players aren't loud. They keep to themselves a little bit. And, you know, that's just the way they are. And that's why they're so good successfully in the single side of it. But in team sport, you know, I've always thought that the more togetherness of the team, the louder team, the better support usually come out on top. And I think, I think a lot of people will say the same. So, for example, like 
I've always said Rob Chambers is probably the best team pool player in, could be in the country. Is he is he one of the top best players in the country? No, he he, he was, and he's still an amazing player. But te- one frame pool player in a team, would I have him in my team? Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. Because a lot of people have said this. yeah, because he will bring something that other people don't, and he's still great on the table, you know. But in that extra 10, 15, 20% that you need to get someone else over the line, he's got yeah. him and his brother John. So playing under John as well in Cyprus, that was one of the, that was one of my favourites. We got beaten in the final, but it was, you know, something I'll never forget. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, a lot of people have said the same about, about Rob and John. Mm. Um, and it, it kind of just coincides with everything that gets said about Team Paul mm. when people are on the show. Um, so completely agree with you there. So... What are your future goals in terms of playing for England? I want to play for England as long as I can. To be honest, I, I, I love representing the country. I love I love the travelling as well. It's a bit that's probably the selfish side of it. I love the travelling. I love going like um, I was meant to go to Morocco to play in the Ultimate Pool World Championships, but it was just a bit too much. It was ten days just for one singles event. I thought it wasn't you know it wasn't a very smart decision. And yeah, I'm gutted. I'm not going to go to Morocco, but I've got Malta this year. I've, I've you know I've been to China. I've been to America, but. The England side of it, I think next year there's a few events in different countries. So playing for England, I want to play for it as long as I can. And you know, it's just a shame that there's not like a funding system that helps you go because you know going to Malta is going to cost probably over a thousand pound of your flight, your accommodation, you spend when you're there, what you lose while you're at work, you know. And and at the end of the day, the prize money isn't great at international events, but I think playing for your country over you know over over rules all that and. I don't think I'll ever get a bigger buzz than what we did in Brillington when we win. So I think that whole feeling outweighs the money side of it for me. And, you know, that was the first event England have won in, I think, it was seven years. And it was my first men's trophy. So I, I, I want to do that again. And money isn't going to stop it. But I'd, I'd love to I'd love to say I'll, I'll play it as long as I can. But, well, there's no but. I'm, I'm going to play it as long as I can. I just, I just hopefully one day there's a bit of a funding system which makes it easier for everyone to go. Yeah, um, completely agree. We spoke about this on my recent show with Kyle and Paul mm-hmm. um, about the funding system, and I was taken aback because mm-hmm. I didn't know it was it was kind of ran that way. Yeah. I figured there would have been some kind of funding. Mm-hmm. Um, I was stunned. So, I mean, if you are listening in and you know you run any businesses or you, you want to help out with sponsorship, please get in touch because it's one thing that I think it's deserved. Playing for your country. Yeah, I mean. I mean, do play. Yeah, playing for your country is massive, and people do have the individual sponsors that some people do get it paid for, mm-hmm. some people don't. And you know, at the end of the day, if it was like a business or a sponsorship deal where you have to give a percentage of your winnings, it it just wouldn't be worth it because just say you win the singles event and you win like two or three grand, and you got to give fifteen hundred pound of that away to your sponsor who sent you there. It's cost you a thousand pounds to send you, and to win that event so many good people there the chances of winning it it's not it's not it's not impossible but it's going to be very tough it's very short races and in international yeah. events first of fives um so it, it's just so tough to make money but like you say playing for your country is is like the biggest honor from all i think anyway that's my that's my I, point of it i completely agree i mean myself included as well as many of other players that are around this area and probably all over the country the goal is to play for your country. Mm-hmm. That is the goal. I don't. I don't play regularly so that I can just play yeah. around here for for a while. You know, there's always that goal, and for there to not be any funding. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is a shame, but I wonder. I mean, England set up to do a really good job. I think when we went France, we got a little bit of funding. We got like hundred pound each, which definitely helped. Yeah, you know, because it covered your flights, maybe covered you because people don't see that when you get your flights and it's your queue cost, and then it's your travel from the airport to the hotel then it's, your hotel. it's so expensive to actually do um but you know it's because it, it is hard because because it's not on tv because it's not everyone getting streamed some games you're not on stream some games you are so as a for a, a backer or sponsor to come do an international event you know they don't get many many rewards and that's that's the shame if it was maybe televised like you know ultimate pool is sometimes you know you could you could see it getting funded but you know hopefully one day it happens but I'll, I'll still be there. Yeah, fingers fingers yeah. crossed. But it's yeah, it's great to hear you say that you'll still be there either way. That is good, and that's the kind of commitment you want for your yeah. country, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean we're all the same in the England team, you know. Um, like I, like I say, we we shared a room, we shared a like a house in Bridlington, and it cost us about two hundred pound each for the week, and then I think we spent more on food. <laughs> but you know that's that's not the point. It was we we had a laugh, we had a great time, and yeah, like I say, it overweighs the money all the time. Yeah, brilliant. Um, 
you obviously mentioned a minute ago the coming back as a champion from Brid. Mm-hmm. Explain explain that feeling. I like to ask this question because I've had a, quite a few champions on here mm-hmm. and they've all kind of had different responses. Um, ultimately, the pride is is going to be at the top. But if you could just explain in a, in a few words how that felt to, to get over the line and be called champions for your country. So it was more of a relief, to be honest, um, because we lost in the previous, in 2019 before COVID, we lost to Scotland 14-13 in probably the best standard team match. I don't want to sound like arrogant any here, but probably in, in the history of Team Pool, it was, it was ridiculous. I remember we broke dish like four in a row to get it to 13 all, and we were like nine five behind, five one behind, and it was just dish after dish after dish. And then we dished four in a row, and Clint Hansen's gone to play a decider, and he's got a bit of luck, and he's lost. But I remember being everyone around the table. There must have been there's a video, and this is no advice. There could have been two to five hundred people. You could pick a random number out there, and that could be right the right answer because everyone in the room stopped and went around this one two tables. And after losing that, you know, and then he had to dwell on it for like four years with COVID, and then. And then we got we went to Bridlington with a good team, a new team. We had young Kyle who got brought up to twenty three. He's absolutely love that kid, you know. He, he's a quality player as well. So he come up and you know I don't know how he was feeling because he's so so calm and collected. You never know if he was feeling nervous or or he was feeling confident. And um, he played like he was confident. He played out of skin. Um, but people like me, Jimmy Dean, and uh, Harvey, who'd been to the two thousand and nineteen no Harvey wasn't it? Sorry, he was Lee Roster, but the two thousand nineteen final. It was like you know. We went all the whole week unbeaten. We hammered everyone. And then we got to the semi-final. We nearly got beat by Wales after hammering them in the group stage. And because I think we were 14 out of 14, but we were 12 out of 12 at the end of the group. And we were thinking, if we don't win this, it's absolutely robbery. And then we nearly got beat by Wales. And then in the final against Scotland, it was, to be fair, we hammered them. I think it was like 13-4 and I lost my two, but I, I didn't care. I think I won, I won one out of three, but honestly, I remember it was 8-2 at one point and they were like, it's 8 Deej. And I was like, I don't care, I'll just, just win. Because there were so many people watching and on the tables next to us, they, I think the seniors final was on and that was like England versus someone as well. So, you know, all it was, it was just a surreal atmosphere because there were so many England fans around the tables and... You know, after losing that 2019, when we won, it felt like I'd just been, like, popped. <laughs> like, the pressure, you know, it just, after a whole week of going unbeaten, and it was in the back of our minds that we could go the whole week unbeaten, lose one, yeah. and, not, and not win it. Um, so it was more of a relief, um, but the celebrations were good. I mean, I think, um, <laughs> I can't really remember too much, to be honest. It was just like a big blurb. I remember just going to the bar, <laughs> getting the bar and getting a few drinks in. And for the first time ever, Dean Shields brought around. So that was nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, cheers, you know. Um, but, you know, but like, so me, Dean, and Jimmy went mad. And then you've got a sort of, like, we were celebrating in front of the camera, jumping around. But then you've got Kyle, the butcher, Jake Newlove, who I love, by the way, such a nice fella. Um, and, you know, the other lads were sort of like very quiet, you know, and um, it was like, I don't know, maybe maybe because they hadn't been in the situation in 2019. Yeah. Um, I think that was the big relief, and the big one was for Jimmy Carney because he got a lot of a lot of a lot of abuse from a twitch he did a few years ago uh, against Mark Boyle at 13 all in the same tournament over in Ireland. Okay, and he potted, missed his last ball, potted the white, and left Mark Boyle straight black or something. I can't remember, but it was bad, and they were all singing, "Let's all do the Carney," and then for him to win. The final frame was 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 yeah. amazing. The other guy we had on the team was Dan Harris, and that was his debut. And a lot, not many, lot, not a lot of players know about Dan Harris because he's from like the northeast. He doesn't play on the tour because you know he hasn't got the funding. He said to me he hasn't got the time, but he's one of the best players you'll see. Just not many people know of him, and he was in the team and he, he was unbelievable all week. Same as Kyle, same as Jake. You know, we just all clicked together, and you know when. We're all having a good time off the table. We're going for drinks, we're going for food, and we went bowling, you know, stuff like that. It, it, it all clicks, and I think that's what makes the win so much better when you do win. Yeah, that's good. It's it's brilliant that you came back champions, and obviously on behalf of the whole country, well done. Yeah, yeah thank good you. Stuff, no yeah. worries at all. Um, we'll move on to, obviously, the ultimate pool pro. Mm, yeah. So, you know, how did, how did that come about? Um, it was sort of... It was sort of a weird one, really, because Ultimate Pool kicked off sort of, I think it was just after COVID or before, I can't remember, but I remember struggling because I had a massive shoulder reconstruction on an operation, 
And I came back and I started playing sort of like another lockdown events behind closed doors, but on TV. And I was struggling like mad. And then when they when they officially announced the tour, they asked me to be a pro on it. And I said no at first because I struggled so much with COVID um, with my shoulder. I never thought I was going to play proper pool again, like serious pool. And I thought I'd give it a go. And that was the aim of dad help funding because I didn't have any sponsors. Um, so yeah, so we started off. And I think I got to the quarterfinals of the first ever one, and I felt like quite good. Um, and I was ranked like in the top ten then, or maybe eleventh. It was only a thirty-two man field, but they originally they asked me to be one of the top starting thirty-two pros. Um, I think I got the invite because I got to the semi-final of one of the events that they ran, or they ran two events. They ran the ultimate, you know, ultimate Supreme Series, got beaten the semis by Gareth Hibbert. Um, 11-10 and then I got beat in the semis by Cypher Simmons 5-4 in the shootout in Aberdeen so it was like two back-to-back good runs after you know a lot of a lot of bad bad form with my shoulder and my elbow and stuff like that so um, it was sort of a shaky start but then it got better and better and then you know I felt like I've just come into my own a little bit not not all the time I still still have bad performances as performances as anyone can have but you know, I think I think I'm twentieth at the moment, um, which I, I made up about a ninety six. So no, but um, after getting to the final last year, I got, I got beat by Carl Sutton eight five in the final. I think or eight four, but I was five nil down without a shot. I had three dry breaks and I was five nil down. And but the players I won, I beat that week sort of thing, give me the confidence. To say, Do you know what? I I am here. I can I can win one of these. Um, and yeah, since then it's it's. It's all a confidence game, and to be fair, we haven't. I think the last event was a few months ago. You have a little summer break. There's one in June, but you know, I, I just wish there was more events to keep keep your arm in because it happened last year when I got to the final. The next event weren't till I got to the final in June. I think the next one was in October or September, and it's like four months without an event. And yeah, if you truly want to be a professional pool player, you need to go in these competitions to make money, to uh, advertise your sponsors, you know, to to keep your arm going and. With now, with being, like I said, we were talking before about competitions that you're only like amateurs in. Like, professionals aren't allowed because, you know, if professionals go into a competition, amateurs don't turn up. And that's just the yeah. way of, you know, club pool at the moment, unless they're handicapped. And, I mean, I've run events in Liverpool where I've had to handicap the pros, and it's usually the amateurs winning the comps because, you know, you handicap the pros out of it. But that's the only way you're going to fill up clubs, fill up pubs. And I get it. But as a professional pool player, it's it's so hard the only events that you can go in you're either handicapped or you're playing in events with the top players in the world so it's so hard to win one nowadays yeah yeah agreed um in terms of playing on the telly you know mm-hmm. what's what's that like I'm, I'm i'm sure you probably did it before you were a pool pro but like you say you played on the bbc but mm-hmm. what is it like knowing there's there's quite a lot of people watching them? i think the first frame if you, if you win your first frame it, you settle down really really well and it, it is tough. I remember I remember seeing a massive difference between like broadcasters. So when I've played on BBC, I've played on free sports, I've played on apps, I've played on streams, and I've played on the BT. I always remember, and a few of the pro pool, a few of the pro pool players themselves, BT was like a different kettle of fish. The more cameramen, it's more intense. The you know the um, presentations in the room before you go in, and then you know when you were pl- we were playing on sort of other streams, which is on TV, but you know it's not as intense. You know there's no cameramen in it. It's all it's all from like a computer with the cameras already set up, so it doesn't feel like you're playing on TV. But when there's cameramen following you around, and it it is tough. But I think now because we play on TV a lot, every event you're sort of on a TV table now. Even if it's not on TV, you've still got the cameramen, you've still got the refs, still got the crowd. You sort of we're all coping that with a but much better now. But at first, yeah, at first it was terrifying. Um, yeah, and I remember the first time I seriously played on TV was the BBC, and like I say, I shaved my head because I had like a midlife crisis, and I think that's why my nickname's the Meatball now because I had to shave my beard off, I shaved my head, and I was like twenty four stone, so I got a big round head. So I remember being self conscious of that. To be fair, so I think that's why I'm trying to do it now, but I don't always stick to it. But being healthy and fit and healthy, I think that's why your Mick Hills and your Gaz Potts, and that's why they perform better on TV because so confident in what they do and the disciplines they're off the table so when they go to the table they know they know what they need to do they know they've done it a thousand times so playing on tv it can be it depends on the crowd as well i remember being in aberdeen and hundreds of people singing liverpool songs only liverpool fans but you know that got me over that got me over the fear of playing on tv but then i remember playing a scottish guy darren matthews and they were all against me and i was like i'm on tv i'm struggling i'm getting booed i'm getting this 
So it, it just depends on the situation. But all in all, it's quite tough until you get the first couple of frames on the board. Yeah, of course, I can imagine it is. Um, yeah, how does it feel knowing that there's a lot of great youth at the minute mm -hmm. coming through the ranks? How does it feel knowing that they're all watching and potentially picking up tips or, you know, they're enjoying watching you play? Quite, uh, it's, it's, it makes me nervous, that, to be honest, because I, I don't see me as anyone, to be fair. I just see him as, like, you know, just Dave McMahon goes down the club and then... We were talking before, people come to the club sometimes, ask for photos, or I've signing cues and that now, and I'm, I'm signing a lot, I'm taking photos a lot, and it just it just seems surreal. Like, some guy came up to me in the club the other day and said that he was a bit starstruck that I was in the club, and I was just like, I, I work here with, with Chris, so um, it's it's a bit of pressure, but, you know, I wish when I was young, Pool was on TV a lot, so I could look up to someone, because it was sort of the only people I could sort of look up to when I was growing up was people in the club, because it wasn't much on TV, you know, there was not much streaming back then because you know social media wasn't a big thing. So, you know, I, I'm 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 absolutely made up that some people do look up to me and some people ask for hints and tips and I'll always have time of day for all that because I know when I was a kid, I wish I had someone to do that. And I did in the end when I got to about nineteen, I think it was. Gary Fibbert started sort of teaching me, and I'm a massive fan of Gary Fibbert. I think he's probably one of the best players to ever play, but. He was sort of the guy I looked up to, to be honest, on, on the pro standard. And to be fair, there's not a it's not much a better person to look up to because he's just one of the nice guys you'll ever meet, as being as well as being one of the best pool players to ever play. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great words. Um, obviously, we've spoken a bit prior to the show, mm -hmm. and I I was interested to hear that you'd played in America and China. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I'd like to talk us through that and and them experiences because you know not everyone's had kind of opportunities before yeah the china one was a bit bit crazy to be fair it was like 35 hours of traveling and it was it was crazy because we went i went i traveled with like chris mellon mick hill you know all these players that i think i was only 22 at the time i just won the world title but i still i was I'm still an amateur i wasn't on the tour at the time and I remember just like looking at them going, this is this is crazy. I'm on the same flight as Mikhail and, and Chris Mellon and all that. And then because sort of your English over there, you sort of stick together. And I remember just picking the brains the whole event. I remember having like an, an hour practice session with Chris Mellon at Chinese 8-Ball and he's beat me like 25-3. <laughs> but, you know, just learning. And I was way out my depth when I first went to China. Probably the second time I went to China as well. I was still like 22, 23 and... You know, I, I lost in the qualifying stage for the main competition twice. So I won quite a few games out there, but, you know, I didn't, I was way out my depth. No way I was going to compete out there, which now I think I'd, I'd do quite well. And But it was the, when we went to China, it was sort of like the jet lag, the food, um, the traveling. It's like, do you know, when, when you go a foreign country and you go to like Spain and there's a sign over there and it says like something, but then underneath it, it says it in English. So, you know, in China, it's just <laughs> that you've just got to guess where you're going. Brilliant. Yeah. And, so it's sort of like adapting, and and I think that's why over there we, we didn't struggle. I, sorry, I did struggle, but the other lads like Gaz and Mick, they they don't struggle when they go over there. They're they're a different class, but a few of us did struggle just adapting to everything because it was the first time we ever went. And I'll be honest, the food was the biggest one. The food was absolutely awful. Really? Yeah, so bad. So you I, don't expect that, do you? No, I think I lost about a stone in about two weeks. That's like no joke. And I remember coming home and ordering two Domino's pizzas. Landed at like <laughs> 11, got home for 12 and ordered two Domino's pizzas and then slept for like 16 hours straight because there's a famous story of Jake Newell I was talking about before. He went to China and qualified. He's a great Chinese eight-ball player. And I think if he won it, won this next game, he, he won quite a bit of money and he slept through it. But he'd been there for like 10 days. But he was still like sort of jet lagged because, you know, 32 hours of traveling and then all of a sudden you're, you're on at 8 o'clock in the morning a few days later. And then because it's so hard to practice because there was only like eight practice tables and there's hundreds and hundreds of people, you're getting up at like 4 in the morning to practice, 5 in the morning, or you can't sleep, so you're practicing then. So then you're tired at like 2 in the afternoon. and. Yeah. Jake fell asleep, <laughs> missed his flight home, uh, sorry, got chucked out the competition, and then when he landed, I don't know if it was the same trip or not, but his, <laughs> his suitcase fell out the car and got hit by a truck, oh, and it's just the best story ever, and he, uh, and he tell, every time he says it, I still burst out laughing, but China was, China was tough, China was really tough, especially for the first time, that was like my first proper trip away, but America was, America was class. You know, there's no language thing, um, no language barrier. The food's amazing. Food's probably too good to be fair. You end up putting on loads of weight. Um, 
the fizzy drinks is good. The pool's absolutely huge over there. Yeah, massive. So they do it different than over here. They Calcutta every event, so they've got a bid for players. So I remember going to an event. It was my first one, and it was like the entry was like $50, but then they had the Calcutta, and some people in the Calcutta were going for £5,500, so you'd buy yourself. And then if there's 128 players in the comp, just say, in the Calcutta pot was just say a hundred grand. Um if you won the event and bought yourself, I think you got forty percent of the pot. So you'd win forty grand. But that's why it's so cutthroat there, because if you didn't, if you got knocked out early, you've just paid five and a half grand for yourself. I mean that's that's an extreme level, but people are going for five and a half. Um you know, some people are going for like two, three hundred dollars, some people are going for like two or three grand. So it all it all differed. I think the highest I went for was like I think it might have been five, but that was because it was crazy because I went over there thinking, no, 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 I am. You know, I'll go over there, do a little bit of hustling, buy myself on the Calcutta's dead cheap. And I remember being in a pool hall in Dallas with my mate Adam and some guy come over and recognised me. And I was, my video of where I potted a ball off three cushions and cut it in the middle live on telly, that was in his group chat. Oh, really? And he recognised me from that. That's and then amazing. my Calcutta went from $200 to like two and a half grand because he went round saying... Oh, you know, because they have a Fargo rating over there, so you know how good everyone is, but I didn't have a Fargo rating, so they were like, we don't know who this guy is. <clears throat> so, you know, no one knew what to bid for me, and then this right guy went round telling everyone that, you know, I play English pool and snooker, but they just presume you play snooker. And uh, that's the saying, you're a snooker player? I'm like, no, I'm rubbish at snooker. <laughs> but, you know, that so pool over there, you could go over there and make a lot of money if you've done it right, um, but you've got to have a lot of, lot of money and you know, a big backer and, and you know, you've got to take a little risk. And the, But I love the travelling to different states and trying different food in different states. Everything just comes down to food when I'm away. I just try and eat everything from somewhere. We promise you all at home this is a pool show and uh, not a food We're show. We're starving as well, aren't we? Because we had no food because it took two and a half hours to get here. But, yeah, um, travelling is, like, the main thing I, want, I like doing in life. Like, I come back from Thailand, but I was playing a pool in Thailand earlier this year and, you know, stuff like that. I just, I just love doing yeah, that's good. It's it's good that you love doing it. It's good that you can get into other countries and, you know, play the game you love and yeah, you're not yeah. just doing it in England all the time. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's a really interesting way to look at it. Yeah, and what I love to see is like people just think pool, you know, it's just like an English sport. But I've got I've went to America, I got beat, I lost a lot. Went to China, got beat by people from like Iran who were very good at the game. So it's good to see how all these other countries play. Because the cue actions are different, the roots are different, the way they hit the balls just so different. Like I always say, the South Africans, like people don't realize how good the South Africans and the Zimbabwean is. It was it Zambia, Zambia, I think. Yeah, so good at pool, really? really, really good. But no one, people just, I don't know if it's an arrogance of people in England thinking because when I come back from international events and say, oh yeah, England didn't win it. They go, what do you, what do you mean England didn't win it? It's called English eight ball. I was like, yeah, but it's a national sport. It's an international sport. There's so many good players playing and. Ultimate Pool just proved that. There's a lot of Moroccans, Maltese, the French, the Australian. So many players from around the world who are getting so good at the sport now. It's really good for the game. And that's why I love as well seeing all these different players playing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a, a great way to look mm-hmm. at it. Um, the next topic we have, it, it's something that a couple of people have wanted to speak about on the show. We've not really had the opportunity. It's something that hits home with myself quite big. Um, mm-hmm. And I know it does with yourself as well. So, as long as you're okay talking through mental health, oh yeah, yeah, um, no problem. I'm, I'm happy. Obviously, you've had your own struggles, so mm-hmm. I think it's quite important for people to listen in on mm-hmm. something like this because it's it's more kind of big now than it has ever been. Yeah, and for me, I think it's the whole side of the social media side of it, really. And if you look at my Instagram or something, I haven't posted since Christmas, well, since before Christmas, because I've just tried to stay off it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's always been a big big thing of mental health you put a lot of pressure you read comments you know as you can imagine there's a lot of nasty comments that go on in the pool yep. world when you see it i mean i've had i've actually had like hate mail which sounds absolutely daft on my instagram where people have inboxed me threatening my family and stuff because they've lost a bet and i was i remember putting it up i was like wow let's get a bit yeah that's that was crazy but i mean i've learned to deal with all that now but it was it was years ago when it was just after i won the world title and i, I you know maybe i thought it was a bit too big for my boots and i was going to comps and i was losing and you know, I was trying to work and play pool and just everything went wrong and, you know, it's it's just one of them and I went for about a year where I really, really struggled and then I went to see like a sports psychologist, his name was Pete McDermott and he was quality, absolutely quality and 
the first stage was that was just like talking to someone about it you know and because I've always been like a good football player good cricketer and good at pool it was like you know I felt like I don't know you were someone to something like people looked up to you so you were like I can't, I can't so I can't show a weakness here because in sport you know people thrive Some, someone sees you weak in any sport they take advantage of it so you know in sport I think that's why a lot of sportsmen do struggle with mental health because they hold it in for so long and then it just just hits home and then they can't deal with it and that's what happened to me and then I, I just got speaking to people and you know just as soon as I, as soon as I started speaking about it, it it was amazing it was like like I say, when I won the IPA tour, it was like recently I, I told people about it. I was feeling sort of my mom, sort of my dad, you know, struggled at work and they, they sort of helped me out as well. And then when I won an IPA tour because I was feeling so better about myself that I'd opened up and spoke about everything. I mean, mental health can be anything. It can be absolutely anything. It can be what some people think, that's stupid, that. But to you, it's not. Yeah, and I was I was going to say a minute ago, it's different for everyone. Everyone has dis- yeah. different ways of, you know, the way I've suffered different to the way you've suffered, but ultimately it all boils down to, to it being mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to speak about. Mm. As you say, when you, when you're in these sports, you know, if you're in a football changing room, you're in a cricket changing room, you're in pool fo- hall full of mm. hundred people, county finals, whether it's more than hundred people. If you're that person, that's usually the big person, yeah, and, and, yeah, you know, people the outgoing on. confident, yeah. The problem, the problem I kind of had was if I was ever quiet, mm. people knew, mm. and people do tell, and they yeah. pick up, and then they ask questions, and it's so impossible to open up about it. Like at first, definitely, and I think in sport, like I'm not saying it outside of sport, it's any different. But I've always, I've always can only talk about how it was in sport. Like say, if you're being the outgoing person all the time in cricket, you're always the guy encouraging in football. I was a goalkeeper, got talk and everything, and you know if you have a few bad and in pool, it was sort of like I was always. I was always the oldest one in like sort of my age group. So I remember we were talking about like Brad Williams, Jared, I was in sort of their age group and I'm what, 28 now, so they're like 26, you know, so they looked up to you. So you can't really, you can't really say anything. But for me, I think it was the whole social media. I hate social media. I really do. I know you've got to post for your sponsors. You've got to post for yourself. But I hate it. I hate it. I hate, I sometimes post a photo and delete it an hour later. I still do that today because I think oh, it gives me anxiety just posting so it, it, it's, a, it's a bit crazy but mine was definitely just underperforming but I wasn't helping myself I was I was you know miles overweight you know or I started going to the gym that helped I think my highest I was like 24 stone and ended up losing six seven stone years ago when I was like 18 or something like that so that was maybe a bit old I can't remember it's, it's that long ago now <laughs> um but yeah, it's like it's different for everyone, and but I think the result, so not like the cure, but whatever you want to call it, is just talking about it. You keep long, you keep it bottled up. Harder it is, um, because at the end of the day, no one wants to see you go through anything. So everyone's going to be there. It's going to help you. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the way I see it. I agree. And there's, you know, um, since I kind of came forward with issues I was having start of this year, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of people messaging me and, and say that they're struggling and they're finding it impossible to mm-hmm. speak to anyone even you know these some of these people are married and they can't speak to yeah, their partner yeah. about it and I've been in that, that position not so much married but it is it's, it's nigh on impossible at times but can, what, yeah. what I will say to to anyone listening in you know that the reason we're having this conversation is don't be afraid to have that conversation as you've already touched upon how amazing you felt after speaking about mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. the weight it lifts off your shoulders 100% um, and especially when you know if you're heavily involved in pool um, and you know going out and playing pool and, and talking to people within pool about these issues there's so many people in the same boat mm-hmm. and it's only going to result in you feeling better about yourself 100% because the way I seen it as well the, the big one with me and it was when I told my dad like my dad was like you know this fella who everyone knows he was like a hard fella growing up you know he's an old-fashioned fella works all the time proper puts in a shift there for his family and all that so and I had everything growing up, so I had no excuse. It wasn't like I had a hard time or anything like that. I just struggled. And, you know, I had a bit of a hard time saying to him that I was struggling because he was like, what are you struggling for? Because, you know, at that time, yeah. he's like 50. He's working all these hours. He's dead lovable guy, dead popular guy. And, you know, sort of like the older generation where, you know, you grow up. I don't I don't even know the word. Like the harder generation, do you know what I mean? So when I come out, and he, and he was absolutely amazing with it. He supported me through everything. So... Like and I thought, bloody hell, I was like, I wish I'd done that ages ago. 
Um, so that was sort of like, you know, he said it was impossible to talk to someone. That's why I felt, I thought, if, if, you know, I do talk about it, my dad's going to be like, I'm doing a bit of disjustice here. I thought he'd be like, well, he just man up, but he wasn't. He was complete opposite. But, you know, when you've grown up in rough pubs <laughs> all your life and, you know, you've played, I was playing open age football at like 14 do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you probably I thought I was just gonna get told to grow up. Yeah. I don't think but, that's yeah. I don't think that's a disjustice. Yeah. I, I think everybody feels exactly the same, you know. But but I was the same. I didn't want to tell anybody yeah. at all. And, and you know, I'm I'm always this confident person. But yeah, as I say, it doesn't matter who it is, you know, whoever that person is, you always feel like the reaction's gonna be the same. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Hundred percent. And like I say, my family are the best everyone's gonna say, it, but my family I feel like they're the best family in the world. They've given me everything I could cut everything they could have given me and I think that's why I maybe was going through a bit of a tough time because I felt like I was just failing all the time and you know after opening up to them about saying everything and it just just lifted it and ever since then I've been going up and up and up and up and that's just from having great support and basically opening up and you know being honest about everything. Yes good I'm I'm really glad for you that Mm -hmm. it's picked up and long mate continue of course. Well you know you, you learn to deal with it as well that's the thing um the guy, a famous quote, not a quote, but what the guy always said to me, Pete, was, you've got all these problems, everyone has problems, everyone has their own problems, but imagine you, you're going in from, you've gone shopping and you've got 10 bags and you're kind of trying to carry them in, 10 at a time, you know, you're going to struggle, you're going to struggle no matter what, who you are, but if you just go one by one to the car and just deal with each problem, just just individually and, you know, it's, it's not going to it's not gonna go straight away, but if you just deal with everything gradually it'll work itself out and you know maybe the first step's always the hardest the first bag's always the hardest to take back but as soon as you get the ball rolling it'll, it'll work out yeah, it is a good way to look at it to be fair um yeah well uh, it's been good to talk about that because mm-hmm. uh, since i started this there has been people that have mentioned it and and they are people that will come back on the show and it's it'll be good to hear about everybody's story mm. um everybody's story is different as mm. we as we've said sorry, I, think, sorry. On your foot I also think pools are a very mental game probably the most mentally because you're on your own mm-hmm. you know you talk about team sports but when you're out there you're yeah. on your own and if you lose and you know you feel like you're letting sponsors down letting people down letting backers down letting your teammates down you're out there on your own so Maybe it's more common in pool than other sports because it's such an individual sport and you're traveling, you're, you know, when I was in China and you're in America or, you know, you just lose a game for England and you're in your hotel room on your own and, you know. You're in your head. Yeah, but you're you're alone a lot in pool and, you know, when you lose and stuff, you're on social media, you see results and, you know, you see he's beat him and you see comments and, you know, it's never good for anyone. I think that's why there might be a lot of issues in pool because of the nature of it of such a mental strong game. Like you look at Gaz Potts, he's probably the most mentally strong guy ever. I've always looked up to Gaz, that side of it. Um, but his discipline to pool and everything is just phenomenal. And, you know, but I think the younger generation are going to struggle with it more now because of the social media side of it. You know, like in the 90s when Mikhail and Mel and all that, like, they didn't have any of all yeah. this. Um, and because pool's getting so big now, you're like you go on YouTube and you see some videos with hundreds and millions of views, and you know there's hundreds and hundreds of comments, and same on just like TikTok and Instagram reels and stuff like that. All and it takes is one comment. Oh, it takes one, one comment. You could have fifty great comments saying how good you are, and then you could have some guy saying something bad, and that bad comment's gonna stick with you. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. So maybe it is the pool side of it now, and how it's gone because it's getting bigger and bigger, and we've never been able to deal with it because it's never been as big on socials. But you know, it's it's a good sign it's getting bigger and better. But you know, maybe we just gotta gotta handle ourselves better. It's easier said than done. But if you want to be, there's a reason the top boys are the top boys in this game, and that's because they can handle pressure and everything a bit better. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it's not. We'll have to see. Time will tell. Won't Time it? will tell. Yeah. Time will tell. Um, we'll we'll lighten the mood. We've got we've got roughly around ten minutes for a minute. Yeah, yeah let's lighten the mood. There's a, there's a couple of things I want to talk I'm about. Dropping. Yeah, <laughs> Mac is twenty nugs. No. Um, so you've obviously won plenty mm-hmm. more than more than I can be bothered to call out. Um, <laughs> what's you know? You've been asked what your biggest achievement is. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to reel through some of some of what you won and maybe maybe your proudest of achievements? Um, this little one, uh, yeah, I've won a lot of like local singles, which you know, growing up, it's it's always the best. Cause I remember looking up to a guy called Keith Bolton and Runcorn. 
And if he's listening now, I still call him the town champ. He's just won it actually recently. Has he? Yeah, he's won it. I Go love Keith. Keith. Yeah, and he's just the the beef we call him. He's just won it. He's look up to him. So when it was like running the run, winning the run corn singles, that was like I can't remember. I was like sixteen. I can't remember now, but I remember winning that and thinking, oh my goodness, I've done it. Then I moved to Warrington. I was playing in that league, and then I won it like three years in a bounce. And the standard in Warrington was like really, really good. It still really is good, but it's winning like three in a bounce. I was quite proud, even though people say, oh, it's only local, but, you know, there was like Steve Wall, who was a pro at the time. There's some other, Dave Robin, who was a pro at the time. Gaz Owen, who plays England. A lot of good players. So to win these comps, like, first to three, four and five, it's like over like five, six months. I used to love, used to go in all of them. I used to try and play in everything I can. Yeah. Um, so that was like growing up, sort of like, they were sort of the things that I loved Probably the my proudest moment because my mum and dad could come and watch them because it was local on like a Wednesday night. Yeah, I remember my dad. My profile pictures me and my dad when we won one, and it's been like that for about six years now. Not changed it, um, but probably like the I think it was two thousand sixteen. I won the national championship down in Chelsea under twenty threes, the world title, and then the Welsh Open. And I was the first person, to, first Englishman to win the Welsh Open in the twenty threes category. Nice, and that was all within like six or seven months, as well as I won a pro am. And I beat Mick Hill in it when I was like, I can't remember, 16, 22, maybe, 22, 23. But I remember it was like a great year for me and Pearl. I won like the Lancashire professional event as well, Pro-Am event up in Hendry's. There's some good pros now like Jason Hill and, you know, people like that. And obviously they were much, much, much better than me at the time. So at the time, I think it was like that year was like a really proud year of mine. And then I think I took my pro card then and then I struggled. Yeah, that was it. I took my pro card after that year. Didn't win a game as a professional. I think that's where like all the mental health struggles started, but I didn't win a yeah, I didn't win a game as a professional in my first year. I was awful. Just so much pressure on myself and you know, and then I dropped off the tour and, you know, that that, that happens. But then going back on to it, it was you know, recently winning I won um the IPA event, that was probably my proudest because I just wasn't on the tour at the time and I come back as an amateur and I think I had a year and a half off, just not really playing as a scaffolder at the time. And I just come back and like say, my mum and dad helped me pay for it. I paid for my hotel myself. I was sharing with Syfit Simmons at the time as well. And uh, yeah, I just that was probably my proudest one because it was on BBC as well. BBC, so I can't I can't get the footage back, which I'm gutted at. Really? So yeah, I can't oh, get it. BBC won't give it me. Oh no. Yeah, so BBC. Uh, that was on the if, you, if you're listening. Get me my footage. Sort it out. Yeah. Because I, I remember that we had a streaker in the final. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, that sounds crazy. Is this why? <laughs> well, maybe this is why. He didn't run on, but he come into the crowd and was at the front of the crowd and was like, he was offering, he was like, I'm playing winner. I'm playing winner. I'm and playing the referee's like, listen, mate, when you leave, there's some BBC, it's fine. And he's like, F you and all that. I was like, I want to play winner. And then he got escorted out. <laughs> so I've always remembered that. That was kind of funny. Um, but my, to be fair, my, I won a pro-am at the start of the year in, St. Helens and Scarlet and we're talking about like you support your team Chris is here with me now I beat Rob Warren in the final and must have had about 15 people come to just turn up 15, 20 people come to That's watch class. me in that final and then when I got to the final of the Ultimate Pool one I, I, it was the Saturday night so I, I qualified through the Friday and the semi-finals on the Saturday and we must there must have been about 40 to 50 people that come up just to watch me from like around my local area and I remember beating Craig Waddingham in the decider 7-6 and I just remember I was potting every ball in the decider it was just everyone behind me giving it the big in. and even though I didn't win it you know that was good because I had all my mates and come yeah, up course. to watch and yeah that, that was that was quality so the proudest moments probably the IPA win um, after not playing on yeah. the tour, just just rocking up and, and winning it really. That's <laughs> good. It's very very good going. Um, we've got a few minutes, mm-hmm. and I know you've been thinking about this, so we're going to go yeah, on to your five aside. Yeah, team. this this is this is a tough one. This I know Chris is going to shout at me because I'm not going to put him in the team next to me, you've got shaking a, his you've, head at me. You've got about two or three minutes to reel it off. Sorry to pressure you. No, that is a lot of pressure. So right, first of all, I'm going to go mention him a lot this podcast, Gareth Hibbert. The guy I looked up to, thought he was an unbelievable player, really nice guy. So Gaz Ibbit, number one pick, bam, there you go, he's in. Number two, I'm I'm not going to reel off who I think who's the best players to ever play the game. I'm going to think who I've played with or played against in team sport. So number two, it's going to be Liam Dunster. I, I, I think I think he will be go down as the best player ever, I think, if he keeps going. I know he had his troubles with the ultimate pool and IPA, it's not to do with me. Um, but it's a shame he did go back to the IPA because I thought, if he's won everything that he did on the IPA and he went to the ultimate and done it, he'd be he'd be known as the best. And to me, at the moment, I think he is. Yeah. But 
you know, we'll never know, but he done what's best for him. But he's on my team. Before you go on, mm-hmm. you're in this team, by the way. No, so I can only pick four. It's, it's you and four. That's no, the way can't that. I be sub? Can I be the manager? <laughs> the rules for... Can I be Jürgen? Have you got to drop someone out? No, no, have I, no. Have I done no. you here? You, you've done me a little bit, yeah. Because <laughs> you've given me two or three minutes and then said this. Right. So well, I'm manager, so I'm naming three. Yeah, I'm not having it. Actually, I'm going to put one of them on the bench. Don't stay on the bench because you're not English, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to go... Oh, one who I think is probably the most underrated player, professional, uh, Dean Shields. I think, he's, I think he's frighteningly good. And if he had a better attitude towards pool instead of moaning all the time, which he does, <laughs> Dean, I hope you're listening because all you do is moan. You dry break <laughs> once in ten and that's why you lose. Shut up. Shut up and just play pool because you're class. And I always, yeah, we always have a bit of banter, me and Dean. But Dean's in there because I think he's phenomenal. Um, and another one played in the England team. Clint Iansom was definitely up there who we played with. Scott Gillespie were against. I'm just going to give some honourable shout yeah, outs because no, I've yeah. only got four. So, yeah, you know, you so you shouted at me. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, I'm going to put Rob Chambers in there as well. Played against him. Obviously, he's in the England setup with me. I'm going to France with him. And yeah, him and John as a two, as, as a, like a duo, you've got to put them both in together. All said that. Yeah, yeah they're, just, they're just ridiculous. Um, but if I had to have one person play the frame to save my life, you won't know him, but it's going to be Russ Fisher from Runcorn. Okay. He won He won the semi-final decider at the national finals that we won. And, you know, he was just a pub player. He'll just openly say he played a bit of county, but just played in the pubs and, you know, he, he went there and he won. He was he was the anchor man. We called not. He had anchor man on the back of his shirt, and everyone used to have thought it was from the film, but it wasn't. It was because he kept winning decider for us when we played for Cheshire. So, yeah, um, Russ can be on the bench. All right, Russ can be on the bench. Oh, okay. But but the four would be Dean Shields, Gaz Ibert, Liam Dunster, and the last one. Oh, it's a tough on this. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Rob Chambers. Yeah. yeah, just because what he'd bring to the team, as well as his class on the pool table, is even better off the table. Yeah, of course, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll absolutely love yeah. that. I hope he's been yeah. listening tonight. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. You've mm-hmm. done you've done well there. Oh, thank you, the, thank you. Know, you. I, I put you under pressure, yeah, but yeah. You, you've done well. You cope with it as you always do. I'm do sweating so. here. I'm sweating, yeah. I don't know if it's the car journey or we, not, but I'm sweating. We're, we're nearly there, mate. We can go <laughs> get you some food, all right? Where are we going, Chris? <laughs> brilliant. Okay. What we're going to do, we've got a couple of minutes left. We're just going to do, um, just do a few shout outs mm-hmm. that we do kind of casually every week. I'm going to let you go first if you've got any honourable shout outs you want to make. Um, there's, a, there's a few people that said they're watching. Obviously, Barry Finnan's watching. We've got, we've got Jason's in his hot tub, isn't he? Probably watching. He's uh, the owner of PSD, lovely club that we play out of. Um, changed my life joining the PSD. So, a big thank you to Jason and Dawn because without them, I don't think I would have been playing much because I don't have a club near me. So, and then. We've got a few more shout outs. Got like Andy Andy Barlow who's he's playing on the IPA tour right now. Uh, but he's watching probably listening to it in his room. Probably because he's too tight to go to the bar and probably just drinking it in his room because he never buys anyone a bevy. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know, I've got a, like, you know, a, a massive shout out to my family and, and my sponsors as well because I've got PSD, I've got Damo who's he he, he got a four year sponsorship deal and he got me a car, has a four year sponsorship deal and because I was taking my dad to work and stuff, and he's seeing it. So a big shout out to Damo, who I play. I play in his pub team in Runcorn now, so looking forward to that season. You know, we've got obviously I said PSD, and as long as I could be here for about ten, fifteen minutes, saying thanks to everyone for everything. But yeah, um, well, I made sure I got Andy in, not buying a pint because yeah. that, that's true, isn't it, Chris? Look, he said, he said, Gerald for this. This is a green. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so we got Damo, Jason, um, Andy. You know, I mean, I've just got I've got Ty who's Warrington. We've got Danny Balshaw who's you know who I've been practicing with now. He's sponsoring me BT facades and you know a regular practice partner in the club now. So you know he's helping me through everything. And yeah, the whole club, PSD in Liverpool. There's so many people that go in there that that help me through everything, including Chris who's next to me now. He's like you know as well as being the manager, he's one of my best friends. So. Yeah, everyone in the club at PSD and the Merseyside setup, and obviously everyone who've mentioned from the local town, Runcorn, you know, Russ, Jamie Comper, all them, who, you know, all my good friends growing up, and I wouldn't be here without any of them. Yep, brilliant. Um, so thank you for that. It's, yeah, no, it's a great, good. great shout out. It's um, if I forgot anyone, I am sorry. You put me under a lot of pressure. Then he's, he's not sorry. He's trying to pass the blame on. No, I am. I am. You've got to tell me this before. <laughs> <laughs> 
couldn't give it all away. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I've just got one more shout out, and it's my usual shout out at the end of the show for my promoter, Mark Smith, um, doing some excellent work for the show. So um, I really appreciate it. If anyone would like to visit his website, it is www.ukworldqsports.com. For anyone that enjoys their snooker and pool, please head over and check it out. Um, and just one final thing from me before we do leave and before I wish you a good weekend. We are looking for sponsors for the show, for Chalk Talk with Microbrew Radio. Anybody fancies that, please get in touch and I'll have a conversation with you. But for now, from myself and from David and from Chris. Say hello, Chris. Come on, say hello. No, he's shaking his hand. He's not <laughs> having it. <laughs> we are, we are going to say goodnight. It's been brilliant having you here. I love really, it, mate. I love really it. really appreciate you coming to the, to the studio. You know you didn't have to, but you have done. I'm going to go smash you at pool now. So. Yeah, let's have it. <laughs> um, no, thank you very much, and I hope you all have a good weekend. You've been listening to Chalk Talk. Thank you very much. This show is part of Microbrew Radio, Burton on Trent's community radio station. You can hear this and plenty of other shows over on microbrewradio.com. Find our app on the iOS or Android stores, or just say, Alexa, play Microbrew Radio. And if you like what you hear, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks. <laughs>